Would you open up your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke? Gospel of Luke, our sermon text this morning is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And by the way, if any of you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, whether you want one on your iPhone or you want one on your tablet or your computer or you want one in print, and you don't know what one to buy or you don't have the money, just speak to me or any of us and we'll get you a Bible, okay? We'll probably um, exercise a little choice over which version you get. Um, Some Bibles can't be trusted because of the way they've translated, but anyhow... When we do read scripture here and teach it, we use the New American Standard Bible. It sticks closest to the Greek and Hebrew of the original in the English language. Uh, The Old King James is good, but hard to understand because it's not the sort of words we use today. Anyhow, let's read from God's word. Would you please stand as we read Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. We stand because it shows our honor for the word of God. Speaking of Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, Half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus was an important man. He was known to have healed people, to have calmed storms. Um, Jody and Jenna named their son Lazarus. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so Jesus was uh, notorious. Jesus was famous. Jesus was a, a, a dignitary. And so when he came to Jericho and he was passing through the city, he wasn't stopping there, everybody came out to see him. And I hadn't noticed until we read it this time that um, it says that he was unable to see Jesus because of the proud, and so he ran on ahead. And so I had never noticed that he tried once to see him, but he couldn't. And so he ran ahead. And this is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man who was in charge of the tax collectors. He wasn't just a tax collector, but he was the man that supervised all the tax collectors as they collected the money that ran the hated Roman Empire. And so they worked for the Roman Empire, taking money from the people so that the Roman Empire could occupy their land. 
tax collectors were hated. And we saw this a couple of weeks ago. If you were a Jew, much of your religion depended upon you avoiding eating certain foods and associating with certain people. If you were a Jew, you could not go into a tax collector's house because you'd become religiously unclean. You couldn't have them come into your house. You couldn't eat with them. Their testimony wasn't accepted in a court of law. They were absolutely hated. And he wasn't just a tax collector, but he was a leader of tax collectors. It's hard to even understand the, the hatred for them. Um, but anyhow, this is what it was to be a tax collector. And so Jesus is coming into Jericho. He's passing through. There's a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector, and therefore he's very wealthy. All right? Now, what about Zacchaeus? Well, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And so you can imagine him going up, and the crowd is in the road. Now, Jesus didn't ride the Pope Mobile. He wasn't in, you know, lifted up above. He wasn't on a platform like I am. He wasn't on a stallion or a horse that allowed him to be seen by everyone. He just walked on the same level as everybody else. And so who saw him? Well, the only people that would have seen him would have been the people that managed to get at the front of the crowds or children that the dads lifted up on their shoulders. Those were the only options, the first line of people, and then people lifted up on, on, on shoulders. Or there's a sycamore tree. And so Zacchaeus fails the first time, and so he runs ahead and he climbs up in the sycamore tree. Now, that's the kind of action you expect from President McRoby, right? President McRoby wants to see the Dalai Lama. And his first effort, he fails because the Dalai Lama is just humble and just sort of has crowds around him. Nobody can see him. And so the second time, McRoby climbs up in the tree. Now, if people had trouble seeing him and some children didn't have a dad there, nobody to lift them, where were the children? Well, I don't have any question the children were up in the tree with Zacchaeus. And so here's Zacchaeus and Aminet figure in the community, very wealthy, nice house, nice food, servants, beautiful wife. And this dignified rich man is up in a sycamore tree. So he ran ahead, verse 4, and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, what about Jesus? Well, verse 5 says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, if you're up in a sycamore tree with a bunch of kids, and you're a wealthy dignitary in town, you don't want the famous person stopping, looking up at you, and saying, Zacchaeus! Right? I mean, it's embarrassing enough to be up there, but you hope people don't see you there. And the only thing that got you up there is that you wanted Jesus more than you wanted your pride. Right? But that doesn't mean that you like Jesus stopping and pointing to you up there and saying, Zacchaeus! But then his heart must have quickened because he, in fact, was up there because he wanted Jesus. When he heard Jesus say, hurry, 
and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Well, in his house, he doesn't have any trouble. In his house, he doesn't have any trouble seeing Jesus because he seats people. He chooses the pillows. He chooses the room. And here this Jesus is, he's going to come to his house. Out of all the people there, Jesus is coming to his house. She noticed that Jesus gave him commands. Jesus didn't say to him, would you like to have me as a guest? Would you be willing to have me as a guest? Jesus says to him, hurry and come down, for day I must stay at your house. In other words, it's in order. It's all in order. It's all in order. It's a command. Now, verse 6 is very sweet, isn't it? Speaking of Zacchaeus, it says, And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. He hurried and came down and received him gladly. He hurried. And so what we see here is we see Zacchaeus. He turns his back on his pride. And he just simply does what Jesus tells him to do. He goes to Jesus. He sees Jesus. Jesus says, hurry and come down. He hurries and come down. Then he goes to his house and he receives him with joy, gladly. I keep trying to explain to my generation, which means you, I keep trying to explain to you that nobody has ever sold a novel, nobody has ever made a movie that doesn't have the bad with the good. It just doesn't sell. But when it comes to Christianity, our churches are filled with the good without the bad. And so you can imagine, if I were to just stop the story here and just say, and so then he gave half his possessions to the poor, and he, 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 did, uh, uh, he gave four times whatever he'd stolen from anybody to them, and Jesus said, salvation this day has come to this house. That's the way we want it preached. We want this to be a nice story about a man coming to faith. We don't want the negative, but no movie's made that way. And most people I know can't stand the Patriots. And this particular week, nobody in sailing likes uh, Larry Ellison um, because he's cheated in the America's Cup. And so you can go into absolutely every page of news and you will find the good guy and you will find the bad guy, right? And scripture's the same way. Scripture always records the truth about man and his sin. And the reason we don't tend to focus on the sin in this text is because of one little, little part of it. Look, look at your Bibles and it says, He hurried and came down and received him gladly. 
And so, so far, the story is very good, isn't it? And then it says, verse 7, when they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. I didn't read it right. Now, I'm going to read it again the way I read it. When they saw it, they began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. That's the way all the new Bible translations do it. They just leave out words because they don't like them. And then they tell you that they've communicated the meaning behind the words. And so when they saw it, they began to grumble. And nobody would ever miss that little word that's missing there, would you? What it says is, when they saw it, they what? all began to grumble. And what that means is that you grumbled. I grumbled. We grumbled. We done grumbled. All of us done grumbled. All. Now, what is the issue? What is the issue? I mean, really? If Zacchaeus wants to repent, can't he repent? You know, what's the issue? If Zacchaeus wants to leave his pride on the ground and climb up in the sycamore tree, and if when Jesus calls him to himself, he wants to immediately come down and receive Jesus gladly, And Zacchaeus was a Jew, it was a Jewish name, lots of Jews were named Zacchaeus at the time, and probably a ton of the people there were Jews, in other words, they were people of God, in other words, they were Christians today, in other words, if you translate it into our culture today, there's a ton of people who are members of Christian churches there on South College Avenue when he's up in the sycamore tree, and all of them are irritated that he comes to Jesus. What's the issue? The issue is not that there's a fixed pie and that they feel that there's less grace and less mercy and less forgiveness from God because Zacchaeus got a little bit of it. You know what I'm saying? That's just stupid. Nobody thinks that if they get God's grace, then it won't be given to somebody else because they got it. So what's the issue? Whatever the issue is, it was so intense that all of them were aggrieved. What is the issue? Well, the issue is that it is our habit to remove the glory of God and to replace it with our own glory. That's, that's our habit. We want the glory that God is jealous to protect for himself. And so man is an idol-making creature and man is constantly coming up with religious schemes whereby he can appear to be religious but really keep the glory for himself. And you say, well, what does that have to do with Zacchaeus? And I say, well, what did they say about him? He's a sinner. And yet, that's the stupidest thing in the world. (laughs) Who would you expect for God to be merciful to but sinners? 
In other words, he qualifies, right? Jesus is for him because he's a sinner. So the fact that he's a sinner doesn't mean that Jesus should not pay attention to him. Jesus should help a sinner. They should all have known that Jesus was there to help the lame, the blind, the dead, the demon-possessed sinners. And if you had asked them, is the Messiah going to come and help the poor and the weak and the, and the oppressed? And the, is he going to help the sinners? I'm sure theoretically they would have said yes. But in the particular, in the specific, they said no, and all of them said no. So why did they say no? I think that it's because all of us, the minute we become Christians, we begin to believe that it was because we were seeking God that we came to God. And then we look at Zacchaeus and we see he ain't seeking God. He's working for the oppressor. He's the chief oppressor of the oppressor's oppressors. And he's rich. He's filthy morally. He can't be religious because of his life. And so they watch him day after day, year after year, and, you know, maybe at family reunions he has a Christian brother-in-law that rebukes him for being a tax collector. You know, how could you do this? The people of God or the Israelites and the Romans kill their babies on the slopes. They expose them. The perversion of the Roman Empire. And you're collecting taxes for how could you do this? And Zacchaeus at family reunions would respond to that by saying, well, you know, each to his own. And the brother would be so angry. Here he had taken the faithful step of witnessing to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus just spurned him, you know. Zacchaeus just said something, the equivalent of something that I won't say. You know. And then the whole family was mad at that Christian for opening his mouth and testifying to Zacchaeus. And this went on and on and on. You know, when he'd take money from religiously observant Jews, you know, they'd look at him and they'd say to him, you know, I honor you because I'm under authority, but doesn't your soul trouble you? And Zacchaeus would say, well, actually, no. And then, adding insult injury that night, they'd be walking down the street. They'd see Zacchaeus in his front living room with all the sorority women getting wasted and getting the women wasted. And he'd eat pork, good pork. You smelled it when you walked by his house. Which no Jew was supposed to do. And so what happens is God, in his mercy, grabs us, lifts us up, and sets us on a high rock and gives us faith and repentance. And the minute we're given faith and repentance, we turn around and we say, what? Jesus should be ashamed of himself. 
being with Zacchaeus. Why? Well, because Zacchaeus is such an insult to the holiness of God. No, 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 that's not why. That's not why. It's because Zacchaeus is such an insult to us who have been spending years testifying to him and years being obedient and and sometimes resenting our obedience, sometimes thinking this is hard. And here Zacchaeus is living the good life, eating pork, getting drunk, having the most beautiful women, hobnobbing with the Roman oppressor. And when God, God, reaches out and grabs Zacchaeus, it just infuriates us. Because God should be on my timetable. And God should honor me when Zacchaeus comes to faith. You see that? What's the point of me witnessing unless God acts when I witness? I don't want to be the one that sows. I want to be the one that sows and reaps and can point to the sowing when I reap. Right? What we see here is that we really are quite selfish because we really don't want God's riches given to other people unless we are the dispenser of those riches and they come according to our schedule in such a way as to redound to our glory. Right? Right? Come on, 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 come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Admit it. It's you. You say, shut up, it's you. I say, well, I can't shut up. I'm paid to do this. Wouldn't get paid if I didn't preach, do you? All right. Listen, the truth is I would preach to you if I had to pay you to preach to you. And the people here that know me know that's true. The truth is that for you to come to Jesus the way Zacchaeus came to Jesus, and this is going to shock you, is for you to sit here as I preach to you. Because today Jesus isn't here, and the way you attend to Jesus is by putting yourself in the church, singing, praying, reading scripture, fellowship, and sitting under the preaching of the word. If you don't do that today, you don't come to Jesus. Because Jesus has ordained those things to be the means today for the way that you come to him. And you think, where did that come from? And I say, Matthew Henry. He wrote it three centuries, four centuries ago. Everybody writes that. Because today, what we really wish is that we could have Jesus come into Bloomington, walk down South College, we could all go to see him, and then he would see us up in the tree if we're short, and he would say, I'm going to come to your house today, and we would run out of the tree, we'd bring him into our home, right? We would be so excited to see Jesus. But coming to church is a little bit different of a trip, because church is filled with people that won't be happy if we repent. Because they'll think that we should repent to them, <laughs> you know, when they tell us to. 
And people, I, I want you to know that when we witness to people, we have to recognize there is no witnessing, there's no preaching, there's no prayer that ever is successful except by the power of the Holy Spirit. It just never, ever, 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 ever happens. It never happens. I have never had a time in my life when God yanking Zacchaeus out of the tree and saving him did not catch me by surprise, starting with myself. God never works the way we want him to work because he hates us getting glory. Because every time we get glory, he gets none. And so he chooses the black sheep of the family. Uh-huh. That's me. I don't know. That actually, black sheep is probably a euphemism for me. <laughs> he chooses the scumbags. He's not interested in the business school students. He never saves any MBAs. I'm, I'm serious. No professors of economics. And certainly no rich men. Do you know that one chapter before, I believe it is, this is what Jesus said. Chapter 18, verse 25, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so none of you getting a bachelor's, a master's, or a PhD will ever be in the kingdom of heaven because it would be easier to take a camel through the eye of a needle. Right? No American will ever be in the kingdom of heaven and certainly no chief tax collector who's very wealthy. And so isn't it sweet that immediately after he says that it's impossible for rich men to become Christian, there's Zacchaeus up in a tree trying to see Jesus, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you come down right now because I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus jumps out of the tree and gladly receives him. Now, you might want to say that the reason that Zacchaeus gladly received him was that he was a famous personage, and we all want to entertain famous personages as long as it's not Paris Hilton, right? Or Donald Trump. I mean, there's certain famous people that, even though they're really famous, we really wouldn't want. But most famous people, especially a famous religious leader, we'd love to have them in our home, right? And so you may think that Zacchaeus wants Jesus in his home because Jesus is famous and Zacchaeus thinks that fame belongs to him. That if somebody who's important comes to his community, that he would be the rightful person to entertain him. After all, the famous person would know that Zacchaeus' home is the one that has the good meat, the good wine, the fresh produce, the good cook, the comfortable furniture and cushions and, you know, no cockroaches on the floor. 
And so Zacchaeus would hurry because, well, of course, I'm the kind of person that if an important person was in town would want to come to my home. Is, is that true? Is that why Zacchaeus hurried out of the tree? No. Look at what happens here. He hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And it is at this point that the Bible tells us what happened next. It says, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, at what point do you believe that God started to work in Zacchaeus' heart? When do you think God gave him faith? Did you notice that when Jesus looked up in the tree, did you notice that he called Zacchaeus by name? There's this little runt of a dude up in a tree. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus. How did he know Zacchaeus' name? Listen to this. This is in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians says this. can find it. That's the problem with not using a manuscript because you lose your place. Oh, I think I'm going to find it. Yeah, here it is. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we you and me, all who have faith in Jesus Christ, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared. And do you know what the next word is? Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What this means is that God, from eternity past, had set out a curriculum for Zacchaeus and good works that Zacchaeus was to do. And then God gave him the desire to see Jesus. Then God lifted him into a tree. Then God had his son recognize that Zacchaeus' name was written in the Lamb's book of life from eternity past, from beforehand. And Zacchaeus was called out of that tree because God had work for him to do. Now, what was the work? Well... What it says is that when he saw the grumbling that was going on around him, he heard it. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now think about what it meant for him to receive Jesus into his house. And then ask, do you want Jesus in your house? 
You see, people, I tell you, there is a reason you don't come to church. There is a reason you won't listen to preaching. There is a reason you don't crack your Bible. There is a reason you don't pray. There is a reason that you don't sing songs to the Lord. And the reason is, if you love your profession, your reputation, your money, your possessions, if you love your sin, you can't take the risk of granting access to your conscience to the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason that so many churches today have pastors who have been told when they were hired that they are to protect the church from the Holy Spirit. And if you go into the church and you listen to the preaching, it never, ever calls you to repent. Never. And you say, well, no church would ever tell a pastor not to preach or to protect the people from the Holy Spirit. I say, oh, man, yeah, they do. And you say, oh, those words? And I say, well, no, nobody would ever be so gauchous to use the actual words. <laughs> you know? What they say to you is, now, we are a very... Excuse me. We are a very diverse community. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Come on, tell me you know what I mean. And they've got all these code words, and all the code words amount to saying, protect us from the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit demands repentance, and we're too proud to do that. And so we're a very diverse community. And, and we're proud of our diversity. And we have many different convictions about a variety variety of things in this church and and we like to think that that's part of the great tapioca or no not tapioca <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah tapestry yeah the grand quilt the the <laughs> when I make that noise that noise indicates to you that I'm trying to make myself very important and sophisticated in what I'm about to say. So that's the purpose of that noise. So if I say to you that the search committee says to the preacher, we're a very, <laughs> a very <laughs> diverse community. Now you understand why I'm making the noise. Listen. Dear brother and dear sister and dear unbeliever, there are many good reasons why Zacchaeus should not have gone to see Jesus, should not have sat under the preaching of God's word, should not have climbed a tree, should not have sung with the people of God in Lord's Day worship, should not have come out of the tree when he was commanded to do it, should not go to a small group meeting, and if so, one that you choose, where you know that nobody will violate your august presence. And never should have said that he would give half his money to the poor. Never. And if you were a friend of Zacchaeus who collected taxes as he did, 
and you saw the denouement. <laughs> you saw the end, how it all ended, which was Zacchaeus wouldn't be able to party with you anymore. Are you with me? You would have said to him, you stupid idiot, what were you doing looking at Jesus in the first place? What did you think would happen if you were up in a tree and Jesus walked by? What did you think he was going to say to you? And are you crazy inviting him into your home? And sure enough, look at what happened. You gave all, half your money to the poor and were paid four times back everything you stole. You got what you deserved. And so Zacchaeus doesn't have anybody around him happy except Jesus. Because his, his former friends are so sickened by the fact that they've lost him. And his new friends are just grumbling about him being their new brother in Christ. But that's actually not what it says, is it? It doesn't say, here's a new brother in Christ, does it? Now, you have to wait for the epistles to get that. What does it say? This man, too, is a son of Abraham. Jesus responds to him giving half his money to the poor and four times back what he stole by saying, today, this day, salvation has come to this man. I see my daughter smiling. In the first service, I think I got everybody in, this, in the congregation. Now, you know that I, I just twisted the Bible again. That's not what it says. It does not focus on you and your preciousness. Oh, precious. What does it say? Here's what it actually says. When he got done saying what he was going to do, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. And boy, we Baptists just don't like that. You know, why can't Jesus be individualistic like American political ideology? You know, states' rights, individual rights. You know, doesn't Jesus get it? You can't be saved by being in a garage. Or you, no, no. You can't be a garage by having a car. Or no. You can't, well, it's something like that. But you know, being in the garage doesn't make you a Christian. Or no. <laughs> you know how Baptists are so happy to tell us that to be in a garage doesn't make you a car, Right? And to be in a church doesn't make you a Christian. To be in a Christian home doesn't make you saved. Right? But what does it actually say here? It says salvation today has come to this house. Now, those of you who are from the Far East are superior to Americans in this because you understand corporate identity. You understand that you are in your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and that God deals with you and with your nation on the basis of the head of your family. Right? That's just foundational. Yeah, it is. I know there are dangers, but you think there are dangers in America? Yeah, there are dangers. 
All right, all right. Joni wants to remonstrate. You want, you want equal time? <laughs> okay, listen. The fact is, Scripture is very clear in saying that God deals with homes on the basis of the head of the home. Okay? And that's why Jesus said what he said to this man. He did not say, today salvation has come to this man. That's what every single one of us here who's American would like him to have said. And that's not what he said. He said, this house. And in a house are many articles, some for a a, a glorious use and some for a common use. And it's up to God to choose what use all the vessels in that house will have, right? That's what it says in Romans. But salvation came to the house. Why? Because Zacchaeus was born again by the Spirit of God. And his actions are the proof of the grace of God giving him faith. He had faith. It takes faith to say that you're no longer going to live high on the hog. That you're going to give half your stuff away to the poor. It takes faith to be humble in front of everybody and say, anybody I've stolen from, I'll give them four times back what I stole from them. There's no way that a man does that without faith. And so Jesus sees his faith. Jesus knows that the Holy Spirit has given him new life. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to Zacchaeus. But that's not what it says. It says to his house. Now, what does this mean? What it means is, can you imagine how that house changed that day? All of a sudden, it was a new, completely new family. Completely new habits. I mean, look, for one thing, there wasn't as much meat, if any. Right? I mean, there were repercussions just simply on a monetary level. But Zacchaeus began to honor God. It became clear that the goal of Zacchaeus' life was to glorify Jesus Christ. He went from being a son of the flesh of Abraham to a son of the spirit of Abraham. Remember what it says in Romans. Not children of the flesh, but children of the spirit. And so when Jesus says he's become a son of Abraham, he's saying this man is regenerate. This man is saved. This man is born again. This man now lives by faith. I remember um, years ago before I believed in infant baptism, if the truth be told, <laughs> I remember having a man in our church become a Christian and and he was a man that was probably at the time um, 40 years old, maybe, maybe 45. Yeah, I'll bet 45. And, um, and it was the weirdest thing in the world to see a middle-aged man with a family become a Christian. Because he wasn't an evangelical. You know, evangelicals, they think religion means that you're, you're just a normal American. But he was, he was a farmer who had never had contact with gutless, faithless Christians. And so when he became a Christian, he did it right. 
Everything in his life became negotiable. Do you know what I mean by negotiable? Everything in his life he looked at according to Jesus and then changed as, as it needed to be changed. And a couple things stand out. Number one, all of his sons were headed to academic uh, uh, degrees that would make them able to earn a good amount of money. His one son was almost done with his master's in agronomy at UW-Madison. And the minute he became a Christian, what happened was they said to their children, actually it wasn't the minute, it it took probably a year or two for them to realize that education of their children would be involved in following Christ. And so they said to their children, two of them were still at home, and they said to them, you know, we would like you to consider at least going to a Christian college or a Bible college. And so one of them went off to Tacoa Falls Bible. Nobody ever heard of Tacoa Falls Bible College, that whole community, you know. And uh, then another one, uh, I don't remember where Doug went. Do you remember where he went? I don't remember. Oh, wait. Doug went to Tacoa Falls, and Danny went out to Grace College of the Bible in Omaha. And so here, what, what are they going to do with the son that's in agronomy? Well, what he did is his dad said, we, we'd like you to consider going to seminary before you start working, and we'll pay for it. It was just the weirdest thing in the world. To you, it just seems like, well, of course. But to them, nobody did that. Then the other thing I remember, and we just went up there for the celebration of their 50th wedding anniversary, and the son told this story, or somebody told it, and then I told it. The other thing that happened is they had this son that always wore a Rambo headband. You know, he thought he was bad to the bone. You know, and he was just a punk. And he'd come in church glowering on Sunday. He was bad. You know, he'd have this headband on. He just... It was just a pain to be around. And uh, you put up with him because you loved his family and you loved his mother and his dad had become a Christian. So one Sunday after I got done leading the service, I was walking down the center aisle and Don comes up to me, sidles up. Don was a very soft-spoken man. He said, "Uh, Tim, I was wondering if I could uh, ask you a question. And I said, yeah, sure, Don. And he said, um, how old do you think a child should be before you, before you stop spanking him? Well, I thought it was a hypothetical, you know. And so uh, I began to pontificate. And I said, well, Heathers, how old would you have been at that time? Ten, Yeah. And I said, you know, we've pretty well stopped spanking Heather now. She doesn't get spankings anymore, so I don't know. It depends on the child, but maybe somewhere around 10. And there was a long silence. We're still walking down the aisle. And he says to me, what do you think about 16? And I just had, I mean, it was like, It was like a bomb went off inside of me. I still remember the moment. Because knowing Don and knowing Rambo, I realized instantaneously that this was not a hypothetical. And I remember looking at him and my eyes bugged open and I said, Don, 
you didn't. And he's sauntering along. He says, hmm, yes, I did. <laughs> and I said, you didn't. You didn't really. I'm afraid I did. And I just stopped and I said, what happened? And he said, well, we were out milking morning chores. And Danny was disrespectful to his mother. And I said to Danny, Danny, you come here. And I said, but he's bigger than you. I said, did, did it occur to you that he'd refuse? He said, yeah, mm -hmm, I prayed. And he said, he came over. And I said, you will not speak to your mother that way. And I gave him a few good ones. I made him lean over. And Jesus said what? Today, this day, salvation has come to this house. To this house. Listen, we all have lots of children. And there's absolutely no way that we can have the faith to have children unless we believe that God is a God of the household. And that does not mean what people always perverted into meaning, which means that Presbyterians or infant baptizers think that all the children of believers are saved. Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. But how do you have faith to have children unless you believe that salvation comes to the house through the father of the home and through the mother of the home? When Lydia is the head of her household in, in Philippi, you remember her household salvation came to them you remember the philippian jailer when he says what must i do to be saved you remember that paul and silas said to him believe in the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house and i'm convinced that the reason so many evangelicals don't have children do their damnedest not to have children is because they have no faith that God will be merciful to their children and no intention to discipline their children for the kingdom of God. And it's something that is worse. That it, it's, it's something that's so awful that a mother and a father can't bear it to have their children not walking with God. And so what do we do? Well, we decrease the risk. And how do you decrease the risk? Use the pill. Abort your child. Don't get married. Put off marriage half your life. Have your wife work. And it just de-escalates all of life because then you can just be personally saved and you don't have to be a husband to your wife and you don't have to be a father to your household. You know? Come on. Come on. Come on. And how stingy we are with the grace of God. So little faith. How many of you have given half your money to the poor? Oh, no, no, no. We're evangelicals. And we know that that's just sort of a, a metaphor. A hypothetical. You know, right? Come on. Say, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. How many of us have paid back anybody four times when we stole from them? And I know you've stolen because I've stolen. 
It just doesn't even occur to us because we have an entirely Gnostic faith. It just doesn't have any earthly practicality. It's just me and my Jesus and my heart. And so listen, do you think Zacchaeus was one penny poor at the end of that day? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Do you think Zacchaeus went to bed that night thinking, oh no, what have I done? I'm not going to have bacon tomorrow morning. No. No. Listen, I keep telling you that what we need is not a master's degree. And it's not an American passport. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's who we need. And there's nothing undignified that we should not do to get him. And here Zacchaeus is in front of everybody when they're mocking him. They're grumbling. They're disgusting with him the people of God you us the church in front of them all hey four four times anything I've stolen and half my goods to the poor and Jesus says today salvation has come to that household and so listen come to Jesus and listen when we have poured ourselves into people and they've spurned our witness, that's God's prerogative. And if they come to faith when somebody else witnesses to them, or they don't come to faith until Jesus comes to town, no grumbling. No grumbling. And when it's real sinners who begin to come into this church instead of fake ones, no grumbling. It should give us joy because it's what gives Jesus joy. He says all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And so we have to have generous spirits. We have to have the bounds of God's grace be our boundaries. Not our picky little stingy pathetic sense of what's right and wrong and etiquette and propriety and you know let the academics have that when they put their robes and hoods on you got all the pomp and circumstance you need there but in the church let's have none of it none of it only what glorifies God only what lifts up Jesus Christ and let's have a couple of people in this church give half their money to the poor. And see, the only guy smiling here is a guy that doesn't have any money at this point in his life. <laughs> right, Joe? I mean, what are you going to give, like five bucks? No, no, no. He would give half of his student debt. <laughs> Actually, I don't know that he has student debt. He probably doesn't. He's a responsible man. All right, let's worship in music as we end. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Don't worry about what other people think. It don't matter.
Didn't matter to Zacchaeus, shouldn't matter to you. Shouldn't matter. Don't think, don't worry about what Americans, white people think. It doesn't matter.